and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello, folks. Welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show. The Sales Chat Show team back with you again, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Phil Jess, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And this episode is entitled, Here are the Five Keys to Maximizing Your Salespeople's Performance. And I'm leading the charge on this episode. As, as prior to coming on air, we were having our usual catch-up, Phil, Graham, and myself, and I was updating them with progress on my uh, my book. I'm in the middle of writing at the moment a book on, on managing performance, and I mentioned a model that I use, five keys, like five points of a, of a star or five keys of a, of a pentagram, and I wanted to just go through these with the chaps here and gather their thoughts and ideas on them and hopefully give the sales managers, sales leaders a few things to think about to managing your, your salespeople's performance. So I, these... I didn't quite catch the title of your book, Simon. I, well, it's it's working title at the moment, Mr. Jesson, and I would shame I would what until the title is finalised. I don't want to start shamelessly plugging it on every available episode of the sales I'm, chat. I've show, just given you, you a, I've just given you an opportunity to shamelessly plug it. It's because it's never stopped you before shameless exactly. plugging. It's it's only it's only because the title's not been finally agreed with the publisher. Well, we're not so, we're but... not we're not going to have that. We'll ask you that at the end. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I'll give you the working title of the book at the end. So the five keys to managing uh, people's performance is firstly, that people understand the overall purpose. This might be of the organization. Uh, it might be of the business unit that the salespeople are part of. So they know what the overall mission or direction of the organization or the team is. And importantly, they can see how they contribute. They can see they've got like line of sight, as it's sometimes called. So as uh, somebody I was interviewing on a, another podcast recently said, the you know, it's the very famous Simon Sinek why principle. Start with why. Here's here's why we're doing it. Here's why it's important. And here's how your contribution matters. So people feel that they are personally contributing. Then the second point is that people need to have clarity over targets and goals. We we have debated endlessly on the sales chat show about uh, the relative importance of sales targets and goals per se. But uh, we do know that being clear on what people should focus on will help them with their performance. I can imagine Mr. Jones will have something to say on that subject. No, no, quick, Jones. quick, press the mute button and move on. <laughs> stop, stop. Can we stop recording, Graham? And you and I can carry on talking while he yeah, yeah. talks about that. I don't think Mr. Jones is disagreeing with the research into no. goals. It's the effect of sales targets. That we Number three. Number three is people need to be clear. For somebody to do good, to do a good job, they need to understand what good looks like. So these will be some of the disciplines, the um, procedures that we need to have in place. Not meant to be draconian. It might be 
you know, certain behavioral guidance, boundaries, values, things in the organization. But, you know, if, if we want people to be booking a number of appointments every week, then we want to have that as a clear, as a standard. Point four, people need to receive feedback on a regular basis, both evaluative, which is numerical, which is the what has been achieved, but also the developmental feedback, which is the behavioral, the how, and that can be achieved through observation, joining them on calls, be those virtual or face-to-face, -face, doing the good observation, and then providing that feedback and coaching. And the final one, which is possibly... The more challenging or more controversial is you need to differentiate people based upon their performance. So you will need to treat your high performers, your consistent sales talent uh, differently, maybe in terms of reward or remuneration, but definitely in terms of stretching and challenging them because you want to keep them keep them engaged and, and retained in your organization. And then maybe people who are performing less well, you know, you will spend a different focus of time with them on coaching to help them to improve. And then if you do have people where performance is becoming a problem or is becoming very poor, you need to be taking a far more robust approach to those people to kind of get that performance back. So it's not it's, it's yes, we want to treat people fairly. But within that, we want to treat them based upon what they most need to help them to get to to the right to the you know the the correct level of performance that we would want to see them them all exhibiting. So, gentlemen, that's the the whistle stop tour through the the five points. Your your comments and observations, chaps, please. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go first then. When I when I look at your five, and when I think of my own performance as a uh, sales leader, hopefully leader, um, I'm not too sure I was good at number four. Um, when it comes to feedback, looking back at my career, I think I often spent far too much time with the poor performers, and probably didn't spend enough time giving feedback to the good performers. I probably made the assumption, well, they're doing well. Yeah. They don't need a lot of my time. Uh, I better go and sort out the bottom end of the pack. And I still remember to this day, and you've heard me say this before, my old boss years ago, Derek, uh, who said to me, Phil, you are watering the weeds. Go and water the seeds. And uh, I think that was a very fair comment. So that would be my, my first observation on your five yeah definitely um <clears throat> it's understandable that because you'll be more concerned about less less acceptable levels of performance they can draw in quite a lot of your time and it's important not to neglect anybody in your team and you like you know you you sometimes you your better people get less less time which is which is kind of ironic because you know you can you can help help to get those um piece of research showed that <clears throat> focusing on mid-table performance typically got the biggest return on investment so you we're not talking about equal apportioning of time but definitely don't neglect anybody but focusing on coaching mid-table was seen as putting a bigger performance improvement than just focusing on the top end of the <clears throat> 
performance bell curve across a across a sales force. Mr. Jones, obviously we touched on targets, which is a little bit like red rag to a ball. So uh, comments from to, you, sir. I'm going to ignore that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> what I'm going to say is that uh, whilst you were talking through your five, um, I was thinking of the science of organisational behaviour. So organisational behaviour theory has it that um, the behaviour of people within an organisation is based at three levels. That's called the micro, the meso and the macro levels. And essentially in organisational behaviour, the micro level is the individual. The meso level is the teams and the macro level is the organisation as a whole. And when an organisation is performing at its best, all three of those levels are in sync. Yeah, so um, you're not concentrating on the organisation at the expense of individuals. You're not concentrating on the team at the expense of the organisation and so on. So organisational behaviour has these three levels and they need to interact and you need to be constantly aware that something you do at the macro level is going to affect the micro level and vice versa. Um, so when you look at your five, you've got the micro level of that differentiating between the individuals at the bottom and having to work out, you know, from personality and from individual behaviours. So that that's the micro level of organisational behaviour. The feedback is at the meso level, that middle level with, um, you know, thinking about the individuals and then the others, uh, the purpose and the clarity and um, what's expected of me are all at the, that macro level of what the organisation does. And what organisational behaviour theory shows us is that actually, if you create the right culture by that clarity that you're talking about, the people at the, the, the micro level tends to look after itself. And so they then do the right things. Yeah. So they mm. know what to do. So one of the problems with organizations that say, well, we empower ourselves people to make their own decisions, they don't actually give them any framework within which to make those decisions. So they actually are struggling. They can't perform very well because then they're given, they're empowered to do whatever they want to do, but they don't know what the right thing to do is because they don't know that macro stuff of what's expected of them. So all they know is I'm expected to sell more, but they don't know how. So your five things uh, integrate all of these uh, elements of organisational behaviour theory very well to show that actually once you start thinking about these things, um, you are likely to increase performance by that clarity at the macro level that increases the performance at the micro level. Yeah, well, I think it's it's, a, it's fascinating for you to have that <clears throat> that frame of reference and looking at those. <clears throat> I think in the standards, you know, as in modern organisations, it is going to be some of those cultural value things yeah. and <clears throat> allowing people what what's been described as you know freedom within boundaries. <clears throat> you know, providing you don't breach our values or culture or code of ethics, and you're acting in an intelligent manner you know more power to you so you, you're going to you know you're going to provide people with that kind of decision making authority yeah. they're able to to have that um and yes there are going to be some things where some of those standards might for an operational reason we need opportunities setting up in the crm system promptly that allows us to get a proper view of the forecast in the sales pipeline so having some of those disciplines can yeah. be can be good but i think it's you know typically 
I would say it's the minimum amount of disciplines necessary to get the result you want and then giving people this freedom within those boundaries to to operate using their intelligence and 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 we all know from <clears throat> psychology you know autonomy is a big motivator of people yeah. and a lot of salespeople like sales jobs because they have a you know quite yeah. a high degree of autonomy and therefore yeah, they've that, got some freedom haven't they yeah yeah and it, it's a bit like theory x and theory y behavior so theory theory x theory y management is where a theory x organization is one that is you know discipline focused is you know here's a tick box this is your work you've got to do this is the way you do it and there's very little autonomy and theory y is essentially that um setting the right culture and giving people the autonomy but they know what to do yeah. and I, I always remember a, a, an example of this was um, a tv program years ago in the uk which uh, was kind of a fly on the wall documentary of a day in the life of uh, easyjet and it was a, a a series yeah it ran there were several series of you know life at easyjet um now for those of you who don't know easyjet is europe's biggest airline um and it has one color its corporate color is orange everything is orange about it their website is bright orange the planes are orange everything's orange uh, so you can recognize you know you can see an easyjet flight in the sky and know what it is because you can see the orange plane kind of thing so um I remember on this documentary, they were interviewing for new cabin crew. And so, you know, they were following the people who'd applied for the job, um, saw them doing their, you know, assessment centre kind of day and, you know, having to do a few tasks. And then they had to be interviewed. And at the end of the interview, the panel of people from HR and from the relevant team, the, the person would walk out the room and the, the team just said, yeah, they were good, but are they orange? That was their question for yeah. working out, is this person a fit for our culture? And, the, the, you know, calling it orange was just a handy way of saying, you know, yes. are they EasyJet? Um, and so, you know, some people got rejected because they didn't think they were would fit into the culture, to the, to the way EasyJet works, which is very different to any other airline. And so um, th that, I think, is a great example of, you know, you just – it's a shorthand way of saying – is the culture right? If the culture is right, then actually everybody knows what the right things to do are. They know what the frameworks are because they buy into that culture. So they don't need, you know, that theory X dictatorial tick this box, do this kind of thing. You know they're going to do the right thing. But that means as, you know, sales leaders, you're responsible for setting that culture, for being that culture, for demonstrating what that culture is, for putting everything in place that creates that culture. So if you think about that rather than think about the, you know, have they met a target? Oh, sorry. But, um, <laughs> if you think about the culture rather than the targets, actually they'll probably exceed your targets. Well, I must mention to the listeners that uh, make sure you listen into our two episodes where we debate should you have sales targets or not. And uh, we have a... a uh, a lengthy and uh, at times heated heated debate. Argument, I don't know why is, we had such a heated debate when the answer is obvious. No, you shouldn't have sales targets because but. because because Graham because <laughs> Graham says so and he's got the data to prove it, <laughs> Mister Mister Jesson. Yes, moving on quickly. 
Um, I, I would just like to come back to your uh, opening point of purpose, mission, fit, contribution, the line of sight. I haven't heard that phrase before. I like that. Uh, it just reminded me, as you were talking about it, of that um, very well-known story. I can't remember which book featured it originally, but the story about the passerby who uh, talks to three different builders on a building site and comes across builder number one and says, well, what exactly are you doing? And the uh, the bricklayer says, well, it's fairly obvious. I'm laying bricks. Any idiot can see that. And the passerby moves on to the second bricklayer and says, well, what are you doing? And the bricklayer says, well, I'm building this 20-foot brick wall. I'm part of a team. It goes on to bricklayer number three and says, well, what exactly are you doing? And the bricklayer stands up and says, well, I'm helping to build the most beautiful cathedral the world has ever seen. And, of course, the point of the story is that it's bricklayer number three that has truly got the purpose, the mission, understands the fit, understands the contribution, and can see your line of sight, can actually see the cathedral in their mind, whereas bricklayer number one, because he's probably uh, not very well managed and knows very, very little, is very grumpy and just answer, well, it's fairly obvious what I'm doing. I'm just laying bricks. Anybody can see that. Uh, just focused on literally one brick at yes. a tedious time. That's a great, uh, mm. a great story for for what I've referred to as kind of line and so yeah. seeing how you seeing how you are making a difference. So, and it can, yes, it's wonderful. The most beautiful cathedral, uh, you know, lots of organizations are not going to have something quite as quite as grandiose or profound, but it will be, you know, our team are going for this, whatever, whatever those might be market share, <clears throat> getting the highest net recommender, delivering the greatest customer experience and, and measuring those. And everybody can see how what they do matters, <clears throat> I think, and how it how it how it makes a difference collectively, because there is, you know, Graham will tell you, you know, the people's motivation psychologically to contribute to something and then to have a sense of achievement can be a very powerful motivational factor as well, other than just <clears throat> just their own level of individual. And I think also it helps to bond the team together that we're all we're all contributing together, and uh, you know, collectively we're going to deliver that um, that great result. So we thought we would share those those five points of the pentagram with you, folks. We hope that's given you some food for thought. Maybe go through those and give yourself a score on a scale of maybe one to ten. With ten, I think you're doing a great job in that area. And, and one not so great and, and then think about what you might want to do to move each one of those areas up and in, improve that you know giving giving better quality of feedback or spending a bit of extra time with someone in the mid table some extra coaching those sort of things clarifying organizational standards values cultures as you know graham was saying with the easy jet example yeah phil closing thoughts closing yeah, comments? just one final thought um I, I like the idea of just uh, uh you know managers and leaders saying okay how do we think we're doing across those five points uh, one thing is certain i think that having got that assessment marks out of 10 or whatever on each one uh, when we then ask the workforce for their assessment of the five, uh, I can guarantee 
their scores on the doors will be different. And of course, their scores on the doors are the only ones that actually matter. Absolutely. Good point and well made. Mr. Jones. Um, I've just got one point, and that is that uh, people can read much more about these five points in the new book, which is called (laughs) Managing Your People's Performance. Jolly good. We got we got there in the end. Got there in the end. Working title, dear listeners, won't be published uh, for a few months yet, and uh, the title might change. I I didn't quite catch the title. Can you say that again? Was it managing your people's performance? Excellent. (laughs) The five keys to successful performance management. So there you go. Available from all good bookshops and probably a few really bad bookshops (laughs) as as well. So thank you very much, listeners, for listening into this episode. Our back catalogue is rapidly approaching 300 episodes uh, for you to listen to. They're all available from all the major podcast platforms. So uh, enjoy a little bit of sales chat show listening as you go through your busy working day. And please remember to subscribe to the sales chat show at your favorite podcast uh, platform so you'll be notified of new episodes which we release on a regular basis so that's it from everyone at the sales chat show we just like to wish you good luck and good performance management folks and look forward to having you on another episode very soon You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 